Recording uncharacteristically early today, welcome to Hand of Pod. hot is that that's not Fernet, it's uh, it's Mappe, and uh, we're recording in, in the middle of the afternoon today, the idea was to record at three, we're, we've delayed ever so slightly on that, um, but I'm Sam Kelly, as I usually am, and I'm joined uh, this afternoon, not tonight, in my living room by English Dam. Good evening, afternoon, and whatever it is, sir. Welcome. Good to be back. Welcome, English Dam. Um, English Dam works just around the corner from from my flat, so we've decided to record here in the afternoon, and uh, I'll get the podcast up. Uh, we'll see, really, when, whenever I can. Well, it could be earlier than ever, and it could, it could be, be just more of the same. There are two Copa Sudamericana <laughs> matches involving Argentine sides this evening. I believe it's oh, two, uh, Vélez and Lanús. Yeah. So it's very possible that I will upload whilst watching them. Um, in which case you'll you'll be getting you'll be hearing this uh, only a few hours after we record it for a change. Um, there's not an awful lot to get through, but there are a few key points from the weekend just gone. And wondering where to start. Um, we often talk about the officiating in Argentine matches, and uh, River Plate have, have been um, c- complaining about it quite a lot this season. There was a penalty that they didn't get given against Colón. Um, there were I can't remember some of the others but they, they've come up with they, they were showing on Teise uh, or on Enchode Football just after all of the matches or something on America uh, on Sunday night uh, a bunch of the decisions that have gone against in inverted commas river there was a penalty for Himnasia's only goal on the first weekend uh, that was one of the other ones um, and a penalty that wasn't given which would have made it 2-2 two, two at home to Colón get that long and beaten run gone not that and you're giving substance to these these complaints these <laughs> That's not the intention at all, I'm sure. The intention is no, it's it's not. It's to highlight the fact that River are moaning about it a lot. Wow. Um, they're using it to obscure um, some of the other reasons that they're failing to win. Uh, well, this River... is the point, isn't it? You know, it's classic Ramon Diaz. You know, mm. fire at the person, anyone apart from him, and anyone apart from his team. Absolutely, that could be. That could be responsible for it. Absolutely. Uh, River um, put in their best performance, or certainly the best 45-minute performance of the season, um, away to Arsenal during the first half in Sarandi on Sunday night. Uh, but the, the Lanata curse struck again. Um, the Lanata curse is, you might, you'll remember us talking about this ridiculous 9.15, 9.30 kick-off time, which was set up specifically uh, by the TV Publica slash government people to combat uh, this anti-government um, chat show spectacle oh, thing that's on Sunday oh, nights um, by this chap called Lanata um, since that's happened Boca and River either Boca or River have been playing at 9.15 um, on Sunday night or 9.30 to, to combat his time slot um, since that's happened there have been I think it's 10 matches played and it's not resulted in a single Boca or River win Oh, really? uh, I think it was it, following the Arsenal result. It's now eight draws and two two defeats. I think it is. I said that's your two that's, draws. Or that's a blessing, like. surely. Um, <laughs> for the rest of the league, perhaps. It's a real shame that they didn't put Boca Racing on it. Uh, but. but River, 
River were leading Arsenal 1-0 it was a deserved lead given the dominance they had in the first half and in the second half Arsenal got an equaliser which, which was deserved certainly Arsenal improved a lot after the break but it was also a good two metres um, offside the linesman did you see where he was? I didn't see it they were highlighting the position of the linesman on some of the replays and he was about five yards behind the play <laughs> but, uh, he wasn't in line with the, the river back line at all which bearing in mind things haven't moved all that quickly it's not like it was a long ball all the way up the pitch um, but on the, on, on the plus side is that River have managed to put two decent halves of football together the downside is that they weren't in the same match uh, it's <laughs> the second half against Tigre followed by the first half against Arsenal um, it's a strange thing with River like, I didn't see too much of the game and it's at the moment I don't have a TV in my house but it does seem like the team is just really unbalanced like Diaz went all out in, um, in the winter transfer window I tried to get as many strikers everything they just seem to neglect some very kind of important places in like elsewhere in the team in the midfield in particular midfield Christian Ledesma is, is still the uh, the main midfielder of course the defence as we mentioned before is, yeah. is solid um, when everyone's fit Precisely, yeah, whenever, whenever it was fit, of course, Edder Alvarez, Balanta was out. Yeah, um, but you could say the four they put out there is effectively, maybe not a first choice back four, because if Balanta's fit, he might be in there, but it's good enough. Bottinelli hmm. and Maidana, like, they're pretty, fairly solid foot uh, centre-backs, they're not going to do you too much wrong. Um, yeah. River took a very early lead in the 10th minute through Gabriel Mercado, who, the right-back, who, who popped up in a proper number nine position and applied a proper number 9 finish from open play it wasn't from a yeah. corner or anything I've no idea what he was doing there this is a player who scored one goal in 99 games for Racing <laughs> and as soon as he moved to Estudiantes who, who was his team before going to River he suddenly con- converted into this goal scoring freewheeling fullback like getting forward and I had a feeling he'd come out with the stuff entirely stuff. sure um, uh, Manuel Lanzini hit the post in about the 25th or 30th minute or something after a very nice little cutback from uh, another player who, who was not much good at racing, Teofilo Gutierrez. Um, no, he was fantastic at racing. I know, I'm saying that with a smile on my face down, don't worry. Um, yeah, but, you know, a lot of listeners can't see your smile, so. Indeed. It's a lovely smile. And uh, Cristian Campestrini, the Arsenal goalkeeper, afterwards... I decided to piss Ramon Diaz off a little bit by saying if you gave me that squad we'd win 10-0 in every match Which there's one thing a player doing it but then the, you know a coach can't really come out and, and you know rise to that can they obviously no. they can and if it's Diaz they will but surely you know being the bigger man I think this is the thing, isn't it? Diaz likes to wind other people up, but he's quite easy to wind up himself. Oh, he, he definitely can um, take it. No, D- D- Diaz then came out and sort of said, uh, Campestrini's never been in a big club, he doesn't know what it is institutionally, he doesn't know what it is right. on the pitch, the added pressure, he would say this, kids say the funniest things and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it was it was almost unbecoming. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that, that's Arsenal uh, equaliser, which shouldn't have been, um, in case I didn't already mention it, prevented there from being any away wins this season because uh, this, this weekend sorry uh, because the only other match to finish all square was San Lorenzo Godoy Cruz in which there was not a single goal uh, and all of the other games finished as home wins I've noticed that there have been a lot of home wins this season just generally Dan um, I did a, a bit of an analysis after the sixth round and found that there would only been 12 away wins um, 12 away wins in, in the first six rounds out of 60 games. matches which is less than I would have expected. Do you think this is that the the lack of away fans has anything to do with this? Do you think home advantage is being made to tell more, or is it just the fact that I'd say definitely it's got to be that as well. Absolutely. I've, I've unfortunately not had the time yet to 
to look into exactly who's played who away from home so far because I'm, one of the things that I did um, get was that of those 12 wins, something like seven of them have been matches where they where it was you know easily predictable. I mean, where even Mystic Sam picked up the away win for that, you know, because it's like Newell's against some awful team. And also, two of them were in a stadium with no fans at all. Mm. Two home games that Racing lost. That's very true. That's very true indeed. Um, So, for whatever reason, we've we've not had very many in general this season. No, I think Um, definitely the absence of away fans has got um, has got away heaven. I mean, um, the match I was watching. More than most at the weekend was obviously uh, Racing against Boca in the Bombonera. We'll get onto that very shortly, but I can say now to um, get it off my chest. It was a 2 0 win for Boca, like eminently, eminently comfortable win for the home team. And you can see, like, you know, the Bombonera at any time, you know, especially on Classicos, it gets filled with home fans, they make noise, they get really into it, especially if they go one ahead. And you imagine that even, you know, without a single away fan in in the stadium, obviously, it's gonna it's gonna be tougher. There's no question about it. Indeed, um, coupled with the fact, in fact, that although we've talked quite a bit about the big five being in crisis this season, um, lurching from from one low point to another, um, Boca's home form is actually really strong. They, yeah. they lost to Newell's, of course, in in the their second match of the season, but which was actually for the opening round. Um, but that's only the second domestic match that they've lost in La Bombonera all year yeah. uh, since the start of 2013. I mean, I don't mean since the start of the season when I say all year. Um, and, and the only one that they've lost um, prior to that, I think there was something like ooh, 12, uh, 10 or 11 or 12 games unbeaten in La Bombonera since the, the Union um, victory in the, near the start of the Donnell final. Um, and in fact, Boca, that 2-0 win, puts them... Yeah, it's only right surprisingly, up. I think, because we, we've sagged them off so much that a lot of listeners might, who, who don't get to see the table might be surprised to hear that, that okay, they're 7th, which, which makes it sound worse than it is, but they're level on points with uh, Lanus, and they're only one point behind. There are a whole yeah. bunch of teams on 13 points. Newell's have 14, uh, Boca Lanus league, have, have 12. They're only 12, uh, two behind the leaders. Um, so perhaps Boca aren't quite as bad as we've, we've been thinking. No. The I problem mean, is that they've been bloody awful away. Well, I think um, the difference in Boca is when Gag was on the pitch. Mm. And Nogal, who was absolutely fantastic on Sunday. Just like everything, he just gives like, a different level to the team, you know, a bit of patience, a bit of, a bit of class. And especially working together with, um, with Sanchez Mino, that kind of pairing down the left and through the centre is something that's going to be really dangerous. So if Ngago stays fit, then Boca. Uh, have a very good chance of doing something. He's more important now than, than Riquelme. Indeed, which is just I as well because Riquelme is not playing. Riquelme yeah. is doubtful week after week after week. He's missed the last three matches in spite of Boca's doctors saying before each match, oh no, he'll be fine, he'll be fit to play this one. Um, so whether he's going to, there's now a lot of fuss, of course, about whether he's going to make it for the Super Classico because the Super Classico is in uh, two weeks, isn't it? Is it round? No, it's not. It's in round. No, it's a what? Ten. Next um, week we've got the. This, it's not this coming week. It's two weeks this weekend. Next weekend we've got the La Plata derby, I believe. Indeed, we have. Yeah, this uh, this coming weekend. Yeah. Um, Very interesting. Which is going to be a match between two sides who are coming from wins. 
Um, Estudiantes, no, they're not, sorry. <laughs> they're coming from 1-0 home wins, but Estudiantes were the away side in theirs. They lost 1-0 away to Rafaela. Um, uncharacteristically sloppy performance from them. Gimnasia were very good yesterday against Colón. Um, they only won 1-0. The goal only came with 16 minutes to go, but really it never seemed like it was in doubt. It was Eric Correa on his debut uh, for the club who headed the, the only goal of the game. Um, that match was delayed by 24 hours due to very, very heavy rain in the... Well, actually, it wasn't really that heavy. It was just long just continuous. Continuous for about 15 hours or something before yeah. kick-off. Um, in, in Buenos Aires province, which inundated and flooded the drainage system underneath the pitch, which um, led me to tweet, what century are we in again? Exactly. Um, for this, because... Oh, they put that down as an Oscar Carniello. Caniello own goal on Ole's website which is a bit peculiar because it wasn't <laughs> anyway um, that led to a delay to the Independiente versus Villa San Carlos match sorry the Villa San Carlos yeah, versus so. Independiente match in the B uh, which is being played this evening yeah, Wednesday evening. Hours, um, as Dan says in about two hours time because that's also being played in Gimnasia's stadium uh, Villa San Carlos uh, want to play it in the ground where they can, they can sell as many tickets as possible basically because their own stadium is tiny I presume um, other results in this cracking weekend of home wins. We've had two 4 nils. One was Lanús versus Argentinos. Mainly surprising because Argentinos' defence prior to that match hadn't conceded a goal in five matches. Pablo Migliore went 492 minutes without conceding prior to Lautaro Acosta's opener. First three goals of that match were all scored by former Boca Juniors players. Acosta and then Santiago Silva um, and then Leandro Somoza with uh, just a I don't know where on earth he learned to do that. I've never seen him do anything like that before. It was incredible. I don't think anyone... Tell us about it. It was just an absolute belter from about 30 metres out, 35 metres. Just absolutely got hold of it. And and Migliori had no chance, to be fair. Mm. But, no, I think everyone was just in stitches about it. Like They couldn't believe it. Um, the fourth goal came from, from Lucas Melano, the, the youngster who's... Been, uh, well, he's been brought into the team with sort of charged with the unenviable task of replacing Mario Regueiro mm-hmm. in the forward line. Regueiro, of course, went to, to Racing where he's he started. So fantastic. Um, and he's really, I don't, I don't know how many goals he's scored, but it's, it's not his first for the club. No, he's um, been. And he's, been he's put very in some impressive. very, very good performances as well, mm-hmm. aside from that. Um, the other 4 0, uh, this was. There was the sense, perhaps, that Lanusa's 4 0 win in hindsight, maybe it wasn't that surprising. Argentinos um, were going to get dominated at some point. They had conceded three goals, remember, away to Godoy Cruz on the opening weekend. So although they've improved, and although I think that none of us are going to predict that they're going to go into a slump right now, um, it's maybe not too surprising to see Lanús score four against any particular opposition. What is rather more surprising is watching uh, Julio César Falcioni's All Boys also score four. Wasn't yeah, really quite sure what hit him. Ed Malian made the point to me at half time that all boys uh, would be third or would have been prior to to the uh, the weekend just gone third in the league. It's now second uh, if matches finished at half time. Um, as it is, they were something like fifteenth because they just kept on throwing away leads in in the uh, second half. They'd not scored more than once all all of this season. Um, they got a goal about two minutes or one minute into the second half another one through Maron Matos who'd scored the first one early in the first half um, who then completed his hat-trick 
in the 66th minute. And Gonzalo Espinosa, the Chilean, who I don't think anyone in Argentina had ever heard of before, scored it. He was in Brazil. Absolutely. Oh, was he? Yep. Of course he was, yes. Um, right, now he went said to that, Arsenal. Right? And, yeah. Okay, I'm, never, I'm wrong about that. Never really played a game for Racing, it was strange. He scored an amazing goal. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, I didn't see it. I was... Beautiful. Uh, picks up the ball about 25 metres out. It reminded me of, of almost of, of Diego against Belgium in 1986. Uh, perhaps I'm overselling it ever so slightly there, but it was it's something made, else. It's been nice day, I think. Look up All Boys Kilmes. <laughs> Listeners, look up All Boys Kilmes on, on YouTube and just wait until the fourth goal. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, goes around a couple of men and then finishes it from a very narrow angle. Um, so All Boys have finally managed to get an impressive uh, result under their belts. It wasn't the first win. The first win, of course, was the 1-0 against Racing. Um, but it does give them perhaps a little bit of momentum. And it's lifted them up into mid-table in what is a very, very even um, torneo inicial so far. Other results there, done that you particularly liked? Are there any matches that you managed to catch a lot of, apart from Boca Racing? No, so, um, so for a man of Gimnasio Colón and also Tigre Central, which was only really nice Notable for another very, very poor performance from Central. They're just not clicking at the moment. Anymore. I thought you were going to say a very poor performance from the cameraman. I, I was the, ca- watching the cameraman as well. I was, I was watching Rafaela. I was watching Rafaela Estudiantes, which was at the same time. Oh yeah, I was watching both. Principally because that's why I'm getting confused. Principally because the um, the lens of the camera at Tigre Central was so covered in water that at times you actually couldn't see what was going on. No, it was and it was. Terrible. I mean. So literally, like another what century are we into it? Yeah, li- literally, just in the first couple of minutes of the second half, when you think, well, he's had 15 minutes to mm. to wipe the lens off at least, yeah, and right. to make it nice and dry, and maybe get a hood over it so uh-huh. that it's not. And it was still he hadn't bothered to do anything with it. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, <laughs> if you look those goals up on YouTube, you'll see a lot of uh, what appear to be very poor quality YouTube videos of yeah. goals. That's what it was Blurry like. and everything. It's not poor quality at all. That's exactly what it looked like on, on our tele. Well, on my television, not, not on Dan's, because he said he doesn't have one. Um, but that was a 2 0 win for Tigre, which cut short a run of three straight defeats for Tigre and was Central's third straight defeat um, as well. The goals there coming from Ramiro Leone and the fantastically named Emiliano Eschacopoulos, um, whose, surname, whose surname, slightly unfortunately, translates very loosely as she bangs I guess um, she, she mm, more or less more or less it's, it's, it's close enough that most Argentines the ones who I follow on Twitter at least seem slightly <laughs> hilarious um, so you there you go new people, he's uh, <laughs> he, he's going to earn himself a new nickname especially if he scores goals like that one it was a lovely lobbed finish um, Belgrano beat Belisarsfield 3-0 uh, to gain some level of revenge for the Copa Sudamericana exit. Um, that was on Friday evening. And Barcelona gone 2-0 up. Barcelona have just gone 2-0 up in their Champions Group uh, stage. Who scored that one? I believe it was Messi. Messi again, for a change. For a change, yeah. Um, old team, of course. Old boys. Indeed, yes. Who, who we're yeah. just about to get on to. Newell's fell behind, slightly surprisingly, to Olimpo. I think we, we mentioned uh, myself and Andres and Joel mentioned last week following Olimpo's 3-0 win over Boca that that might just give Olimpo a little more confidence and a bit more belief in themselves and in fact they looked very good they looked very good in the first half um, away to Newell's they went in at the break 1-0 up which surprised I think just about everybody um, and they they deserved it really for, for the way that they performed um, Damian Musto 
uh, scoring the goal about 10 minutes prior to half time. Lollipop just superb defensive performance prior to that, closing Newell's down, not giving them too much space. And Newell's in the second half just stepped the game up a level. Um, it was they, they were superb. They, they ended up winning 2-1 um, thanks to a David Tresege equaliser and a goal with about 15 minutes to go from the penalty spot from Maxi Rodriguez after he'd been fouled. Um, I'm loving that forward pairing, by the way. Trezeguet and Rodriguez up front. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it, 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 kind, of, it kind of masked the fact that Martin Tonsa had a bit of a disappointing performance almost for the first time yeah, this season as well. I think he needs to, it doesn't really need to be that long. No. I'm not sure. Um, so as we've already mentioned, this means that Newell's old boys are top of the torneo inicial yeah. table. We're now, remember, more than a third of the way through the championship well, already. Arsenal, the only unbeaten team. They are, yeah. Uh, they've won three and drawn four. Um, they're a point behind us are San Lorenzo, who are doing very well, and Argentinos, as we've mentioned, and Gimnasia. Um, Lanús and Boca, one point further behind them on 12. And then we've got three teams on 10. That's the top half of the table. So the top half of the table is all within, are all within four points of one another, uh, down to Colón in 10th, and Estudiantes and Rafael are level with them. So what would you say? Any big surprises? I think after seven games, you can kind of say the start has finished, let's say, of the season. Any I think big the biggest... surprises for you in... Between the top six, I'm guessing Nani Gimnasia. Among the top, among the top six, uh, you're trying to avoid the obvious uh, mm. here, Dan. I think uh, among the top six, Argentinos. Argentinos. How on earth yeah. anybody would have said at the start That's of the true. season that Argentinos were going to be one point off the lead <laughs> after, after seven matches? I don't know. Uh, particularly, even after the first round, no one would have said that because they, they got absolutely tonked by Godoy Cruz. Gimnasia um, have started very well. Uh, I think I remember saying when they came up that they looked to me the best equipped. Of the sides to, to stay up I might have said that about no, Central really. in fact but <laughs> Gimnasia I was reasonably confident because they had such a good attack last season in the big yeah. um, and, and goal scoring is, is often the, the, the problem for sides in fact so far this season they've only got 8 in 7 matches um, but they've, they've gone about things the right way they've, they've sought to play good football um, when they can yeah. but the biggest surprise on the table as a whole has got to be how bad your team have been down. Um, they were challenging for the title in both championships last season. What's gone on? Yeah, not particularly closely, but they were always up there in the top five, top six. They qualified for the Copa Sudamericana. Yeah. Um, it's just been a shambles, and it seems like it already starts in in the director's box in, in the board, because we've got the, the situation now where the president, Cogorno, and the vice president, Molina, um, have this and they say in Spanish peleado, just you know, going at each other like two badges in a sack. Mm. You know, that's the literal translation of them, Jesus things. And yeah, and, and it's just affected the whole team. You saw it during the transfer window, which was shambolic. Like, just strange players came in, like um, Quiles came in, uh, right back, even though Pichud and this young kid, uh, Gomez, um, were already there. And... Um, when that like no kind of number nine, nice centre forward came in, even though two left, just all sorts of really, really bad decisions, and that's carried through to the start of the season. Um, under Zubelia, they started with was it four defeats under Zubelia? No, three, three league defeats. You reckon? Yeah, and one under Radeli, caretaker. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it was, it was four defeats in a row, wasn't yeah. it? As well as got Brazil Americana. Yeah, so um, it started badly under Zuelia, and you know, just to show you how, even how badly organised it was, you know, 
about four weeks after giving him a new 18-month contract, he got sacked. And they obviously have to pay him off that contract. And, yeah, then Iskia came in, which I think I don't have met one Racing fan who would agree with that decision. And some of I wanted to ask you about that, because when you were last on, Dan, they were, you were um, mocking your club's board for having approached Marcelo Bielsa, and you were telling us about Bielsa's rather withering assessment of Racing's yeah. um, uh, philosophy, in inverted commas. Um, and we were mentioning it was between Ischia and... Um, and Borgi yeah, uh, to the job. Yeah. What do you think now is actually coming? I think you've already kind of told us, but just give us a couple more thoughts on it. I think he's just not going to change anything, really. He's, I think this was the point that um, Ozzy Dan always used to make in his time at the pod. He's just one of these um, veteran coaches, you know, on the other side of 50, who just seem to do the rounds in every club. They do six months at Racing, then they'll do six months at Central, they'll do six months at Gimnasia, six months at Huracan. It's just, you know, they don't really change anything. They, they're happy to sit there for a season. If it goes well, then they might stay for a year. If it goes badly, they'll walk away. They get paid very nicely. And so what you were about Zuelia, the one thing he had was that he was someone who actually wanted to kind of impose a system on a team, like was change thinking. a few things, was thinking the promote young players. Yeah, I've just... I can't get excited about Iskia at all. I don't think he's no. going to pull Racing out the slump. They might win a few games because you have to win every now and then, I guess. But no, this season's going to be going to be one to kind of bite down on and just bear it out and suffer. Yeah, I can't really be any more any more optimistic than that. Mm. You know, except you know, God willing, suddenly um, our young players now Centurion's left. There's one less, but. Uh, Viola, Vieto, De Paul, Zuccolini when he comes back from, from injury if they can actually start finding their form again and kind of start winning despite the team then we might be able to ground out a few points but if we make the top half of the table this year it will be a miracle Racing currently have two points uh, from their first seven matches which as just about everybody will have been able to work out at a moment uh, no just shit um, is is shit as Dan says, uh, and, and which has been have been garnered from seven matches by getting two draws and five defeats. Uh, they have not only the worst attack in the division; they've scored three goals in seven matches, um, but also the worst defence, having conceded thirteen. Which, bearing in mind that they've got a goalkeeper largely trumpeted by their fans as the best in the league. Oh, um, if it wasn't for Sato, some it idea be, about how bad it would be. Far are. more. It's hard to say he was a, he's been at fault for any of the goals. Yes, that's, that's uh, how desperate it's been. They didn't manage a single shot on target away to Boca on, no. um, and on one, one kind of decent opportunity, which was a header from from Milionico in the first I think half. That was, yeah, I think that was the only shot they actually had in the match. I uh, think there was a couple of half chances. So. Yeah, it was just very. I'll, I'll just get the stats up. Fair enough. So Racing uh, not doing not doing too well. Uh, no, it's fair to say. Anybody else surprised you so far, Don? I mean, you were asking me what, what surprised me, yeah. which is how we got onto the racing, but, but are there no, anything there? No, I think, I, think um, I, really did, I did expect, obviously, Newell's is no real surprise, but I think I expected San Lorenzo and, and Arsenal to a point to be out there because they're two teams, you know, Arsenal for the last, what, three years, say, have been possibly the hardest team to beat in the league, um, on average, mm. and San Lorenzo, you know, they had a bit of a blip around that kind of um, Copa Sudamericana exit, but 
and I think ridiculously some people were saying ah oh, BT is he going to go out and uh, the second in the table one point behind the leaders but yeah it kind of shows how um, and, and as we how kind ridiculous of, all that is and as we hinted um, a couple of weeks ago when we had our big five in crisis podcast San Lorenzo are probably the best um, placed of the big five uh, to, to continue improving um, although having said that we, we have mentioned that, that Boca perhaps not been quite as bad as we made them out to be um, do you know which side has had the most shots in in the in the championship so far? Uh, Lanos, Boca Juniors, Boca Juniors, which is a bit surprising, yeah. bearing in mind that I mean it's not exactly a Bianchi system. Um, but I've now got the stats up for for Boca versus Racing, and it turns out that yes, indeed, Racing didn't manage a single shot on target. Boca had six, and in terms of shots off target, according to this stats website, Racing had one, uh, and Boca had thirteen. So they're certainly taking plenty of them it's just maybe they're not all going in as many of them as, as, as should go in um, for Boca which is why they've only in inverted commas scored ten times in seven matches the other reason that they can't seem to get any draws they've won four lost three um, mostly away uh, they've lost two of the, the three away matches and, and lost obviously the first of the season at home as, as I said against Newell's um, is they've, they've conceded 11 goals so the defence is awful, and that's not going to get any better because after the racing match, rather during the racing match, um, two very key defenders for them uh, were injured. We had we saw uh, Emiliano yeah, and Sua. What can went happen off. before the match? Um, Emiliano or Emmanuel? I got them. It's Emmanuel in Sua, isn't it? That one um, had to go off. I think that was at half time or in the twenty-eighth minute or something. But by that point, already uh, Daniel Diaz had gone off uh, with a hamstring or a knee ligament injury which is going to keep them out for about three weeks both of them I think Diaz in particular are going to be struggling to get fit in time for the Super Classico which could be big because Boca's defence um, <coughs> as we've mentioned many it's many times very fragile. is awful it's most unbianchi like it's a very strange Bianchi team they're scoring pretty freely but also letting in letting in plenty yeah, um, something you see every day. Ribeir Rodriguez is playing as the number two at the moment. The number two in Argentina is the the right sided uh, centre back. He was very strong against Racing. He didn't mentioned. have much to do, but yeah. yeah. Normally, as we mentioned last week, he's, he's more of a defensive, uh, destructive midfielder. Um, but he seems to to have found his his niche, let's say, in the uh, centre back. He was on TV the other day saying, "I like playing at centre back because you've got more. There's not as much to worry about behind you. Uh, you've got more of the pitch in front of you." Um, but he's now going to be coupled again uh, with presumably with Guillermo Bordiso, except that Guillermo Bordiso broke down in training yesterday as well. So it's going to be Matias Caruso. Um, that's bad news. So the penalty machine is back in the heart, at the heart of Boca's defence, and we'll see where that leads. Hold on to your hats. Indeed. Um, on this note, it's only going to be a relatively quick recording today, so I'm now going to play a little bit of music now that we've discussed. I think most of the results we've not missed any out we maybe no. uh, Rafael Estudiantes which was a bit of a nothing game San Lorenzo Godoy Cruz decent performance from Godoy Cruz defensively uh, that's about all we have to say about that one really um, and then we will come back and we will answer some of your listeners questions so don't go away
Okay, the first question, we'll get cracking right away. Tom Robinson asks, what's behind Gimnasia's decent start to the season? Dan, do you want to... Do you have any theories? Uh, as I think, as you said a, bit, a little earlier, they kind of, they're in very good form in the B, like, and... They've carried it through. They carried it through, exactly, yeah. I don't um, think they lost too many... We said players going in, and they've got exactly. a keeper as well in Monetti. They have, and we said in the um, in, in the preview episode that they signed pretty well as well. Um, they, they made some very no spectacular signings. There was no you know Carlos Luna going to Central. There was nothing like that. Um, but just decent players who could do a job for them at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are among I think the top scorers they've scored oh no sorry yeah, right. we were saying earlier weren't we they've only scored 8 um, slightly they've surprisingly they've one of the best defences that's been the key yes um, they have indeed but no I think they've and they've given it a go as well They, although I mentioned earlier that they were perhaps fortunate to get the penalty to eventually win the match against River in the opening weekend for instance they came out and attacked River they didn't show them any respect no, no, no. They, um, they really went about the match in, in the right way playing very positive stuff and I think that that's unsettled some of their rivals some of their opponents who maybe were expecting a slightly more conservative approach from a side who've only just come up um, so that's certainly I think is, is, part, is part of it um, and they've got a manager who knows the division as well Pedro Troglio yeah. is, is, is no stranger to uh, to the the A the, the A um, no just kind of a very tight institution at the moment not dropping many points and that's working from. Indeed. Whereas in comparison with, say, Central, who started off fantastically at home, but have really found themselves struggling away, and have now hit a little bit of a, of a, of a slump with, with these three defeats in a row, um, albeit one of those was at home to San Lorenzo and the other two were away matches. Um, Central relatively fortunate to have the first two matches, um, the first two home matches against, relatively speaking, um, easy opponents. I can't remember who they played in the first uh, round. It was Tigre. No, it wasn't Tigre. Um, yeah. Yes, it might have been Tigre, in fact. But in the third round, they were at home to... Uh, or the second round, they were at home to Godoy Cruz or something, I think. Um, oh, yeah, Kim Kilmes in the first round. That's right. Um, and then in the second round... Yeah. Fourth round. Fourth round. <laughs> was the right, so that, that doesn't help centrally. The fact they had back-to-back away matches. And then Godoy Cruz. So they won the first two home matches because of that. Gimnasi, of course, had, had home advantage against Central in the third round as well, which helped them to keep that early momentum perhaps going when you're playing another um, recently promoted side. Um, right. So a slight, not exactly a very uh, well-thought-out answer, that, Tom. <laughs> uh, but, but we hope that you get the general gist of it, which is decent attacking football. Um, get their team together and just... Yeah, and, and a reasonable amount of luck with the fixture list, perhaps. Hmm. Olimpo had a very difficult fixture list, for instance, but... A side who are only as good as them. They're probably the, the worst of the three sides who've come up, um, but they weren't helped out by the fixture list. We saw them playing Newells and Boca and, and Lanús and a bunch of other teams like that in the opening few matches. Uh, J. Dot asks, how is Romagnoli doing for San Lorenzo? Um, and also, in what regard is he held by the Argentine Soccerati? He's an underrated gem in my book. I've not seen an awful lot of him for San Lorenzo so far this season. He's um, been playing, I think, Pizza's really tried to um, rotate his players, and you know, especially in those forward positions, because he's got a wealth of talent there with Ruiz, Alisadi, Correa, Vishalva, everyone, yeah. You know. And so Romagnoli's entered a lot from the bench. Um, what else can we say? Yeah, entered a lot from the bench, and he's come on, you know, 
played 45 minutes and he's looked alright I think the problem with Romagnoli his match is, fitness has been a bit of an yeah, issue the problem is he's had so many injuries after the, over the last few years that really he just needs um, kind of sustained football and it's it's hard to get in San Lorenzo because yeah. there's not many teams with the kind of attacking like their depth of attacking talent at the moment absolutely but in no, terms very, of he's a very good player in terms of how the the, the, the journalists and so on view him I think he's seen as a talented player but maybe one who's not really realised what he managed uh, he came back from Sporting Lisbon uh, Sporting of Portugal sorry um, at a relatively young age having really not not cut it uh, after moving over there um, and yeah th- there's a sort of I mean well the feeling I get with him is that he's slightly perhaps promise that was never really realised hmm. let's say sort of kind of a, a precursor to Patricio Rodriguez let's say yeah, yeah, almost. Although he's certainly a better player than Patricio Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, good grief, he's thirty-two already. So he started. Oh, he started at San Lorenzo at first, then went to Veracruz of Mexico, and then back to Sporting. Um, sorry, and then to Sporting, and then yeah, back you to San there, Lorenzo. You know, he had six years when he played about a hundred games. No. Yes, yeah, it's not really good enough, is it? No. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Veracruz in two thousand and four to Sporting in two thousand and nine. He, yeah, as you say, he played almost one hundred and one matches. Um, so yeah, I think his his match fitness has been a problem as much as anything. Uh, other questions we've had. Ah, Scott Monroe, can the Lanus fan who dressed as RoboCop, hopefully in full LED lights, help against gun crime in Argentine football? Um, yes, <laughs> I think that's as sensible a suggestion as anyone at the AFA has come up with. Yeah, we've mentioned AFA Plus before here on Hand of Pod, the the biometric ID card scheme. Uh, Dan has one. I'd say less biometric, more bionic. Which is what oh, very good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, Afa Plus is actually being debuted this coming weekend um, at Colon. Uh, Colon versus San Lorenzo uh, is going to be the first match at which you're going to have to have an Afa Plus card to get in. Um, I'm go. most upset about this. Uh, talking, mentioning Afa Plus makes me angry because um, it's just such a ridiculous, ridiculous system. Um, but anyway, uh, yes, I think that that gentleman is, is going to be at least. As good as anything that the Alpha mentioned, if nobody's got an idea of what Scott is talking about, uh, watch Lanus game the next chance you get, because there's there's a bloke who sits in the platea, right near the touchline, uh, just across sort of halfway along the the, the right hand half as the TV cameras look at it um, in flashing light. Is that yours or mine? No, it's yours, isn't it? Um, in a flashing light sort of RoboCop outfit, uh, which uh, Scott was most amused by during during the Lanus match uh, against Argentinos last Friday. Um, and I've never actually seen when I've been to the Lanus Stadium, or at least I can't remember. I've not been down there for a long time, but I've seen him several times on the television. Uh, he's very noticeable there. Peter Coates asks, what's your take on the visitors' ban with the upcoming Clásicos and now with threats from the Barra Bravas? I think we just answered this, Sim Robocop. Yes, indeed. Uh, the visitors' ban... We kind of hinted at it last week uh, with, with Joel and Andres when we pointed out that most of the fighting in Argentine Stadia takes place between fans of one club and fans of that same club, or rather Barra Bravas of that club, um, it doesn't take place between home and away fans. So banning visitors, OK, it makes the policing slightly easier. It means that the home fans aren't having to sit around on, on our asses for an hour after the match, or 40 minutes or 20 minutes, depending on how big the stadium is that you're waiting to get out of um, after the match until the, the away fans are out. Um, but it really dilutes from the atmosphere, yeah. and it doesn't really make the place 
that much safer because no, there's an article in today's Clarine actually that I saw before coming which is basically saying you know they've kept this ban on on away fans in place for no other reason than the sheer lack of ideas of what to do yeah like since neither the APA nor Berni the security minister in the national government you know neither of them have come up with any sort of idea for how this could be could be solved so they've yeah just decided to ruin it for everybody Absolutely. They, they were supposed to, away fans were meant to be allowed back in in round seven or eight, and of course we're now between round seven and eight right now, yeah. and it's not going to happen. Um, but, and the context of what Peter says about threats from the Battle of Barabas is that, as we say, the Super Classico is coming up yeah. in a couple of and weeks. There was a time. graffiti from the Boca fans who said, Si no hay acuerdo, habrá balas. So if there's no agreement, balas there'll be balas. Um, whether that refers to something to do with it, I think the police are trying to pass it off as, or the, the AFA are trying to pass it off as an internal thing to do with Ladosa and nothing to do with the tickets. Mm. What everybody else is interpreting it as is that uh, the Boca fans want to be allowed into the Super Classico, basically, that, yeah. uh, or rather Boca's Barra, because I very much doubt that the fans would have put graffiti like that up on the wall, um, <laughs> want to be allowed into the Super Classico, which of course is going to be played at, at River um, in, in two and a half weeks' time. Um, so we'll see. The thing with that match particularly, that's the one match that people from all over the world want to tune in for in Argentine football. Of course we know, dear listeners, that, that you want to anyway because you wouldn't be listening to Hand of Pod otherwise. Um, but there are far more of them when it comes to the yes. Super Classical. We always see a spike in, in, in listenership in, in the Super Classical preview and review um, episodes, for example. Um, and if you've not got the atmosphere of having the away fans on the TV, that's not a great advert for Argentine football. No. So and it's going to be very interesting. It's, you know, people start asking why, and, it's, and you say it's because they had a shootout outside the ground. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not the image I think Grandona and others would like to project of, of his baby. Indeed. So it's going to be very interesting to see whether the AFA, whether the government, whether the city government as well, um, because they also come into it being where both Boca and River are based, um, allow make an exception yeah. let's say for um, for the for their away fans just for the super uh, or whether they try and bring them back in for all matches before that uh, John Newman asks a very easy to answer question uh, based on previous tournaments are there likely to be any Primera B games oh he says Primera B dear oh dear me um, the weekend before the start of the 2014 World no, Cup no um, I originally I've already researched this and I thought he said B Nacional um, but yeah that's what he must mean that sure uh, well B Nacional the answer is a very straight no but Primera B of course which in Argentina is the third division I think I'm just going to very earlier. quickly check when that finished in 2010 but I think you're right I think it's going to finish earlier um, let's see it shouldn't take too long to check as long as the internet doesn't suddenly slow down <laughs> which given we're in Argentina yeah, is, but it finishes 17th of May so, way before. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you've. Oh, of course, yeah, they've got the current season up there on, on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, John, uh, the answer is no. Um, the reason that John's asking is that, as he says, pl- flight prices to Brazil are making Buenos Aires a potentially attractive stopover. Um, if anybody, if any Hunter Pod listeners do decide to come down here pre World Cup, then, you know, let us know. We're, we're always available to uh, to have drinks bought for us or whatnot. Indeed. But um, there's not likely to be any football on, I'm afraid. Um, sorry about that. Finally, Matthias Silverstein asks, what do you guys think of Horacio Pagani and the rest of the panel on a studio football on TSA Sports? Uh, they can be entertaining sometimes, but it's very much... Pagani's the old ball bloke who shouts a lot, isn't yes. he? Yes. He, he irritates me. <laughs> I think that's the best way to describe that. Uh, some of the others, I, I like Fabri a lot. As We mentioned mm. Fabri before. Yeah. He's written some um, very, very good books on Argentine yeah. football history, and he's a very good 
uh, Anchorman, I think, but uh, mm-hmm. one or two of the others, it's a very mixed kind of panel. I don't yeah, watch sometimes it the younger times. guys seem to seem to be a little bit more considered at times and a bit more you know, respectful, and the older guys are just nuts. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, like like so much in Argentine society. Um, on which note, English Dan's going to have one last matto perhaps, and then he's got to to leave. Skidado. So I'm very quickly now going to play Mystic Sam's theme music. Read out Mystic Sam's predictions for the week to come whilst Dan drinks his matto. What's going to happen this weekend? Godoy Cruz are going to beat Tigre in Mendoza. Uh, Racing, obviously, are going to lose at home to Newell's. That's got to be the easiest one of the weekend to, to pick. Olimpo versus Belgrano is going to be a draw. Arsenal are going to beat Rosario Central uh, away from home uh, in, in Rosario. Quilmes and Lanús is a draw. Uh, Estudiantes in the La Plata Clásico, which we've not really mentioned, but it's back in the Primera. There you go. That's all the, the previewing that you're getting of it this week. Unfortunately, we're a bit rushed, but we will review it next weekend, uh, next week. Estudiantes will beat Gimnasia. Colón and San Lorenzo, I'm going to say draw, um, but maybe don't put too much of a big bet on that one, because San Lorenzo are decent. They'll have had midweek action there in the Copa Argentina in a couple of hours' time um, against Estudiantes de Buenos Aires of the Primera B, the third division. Argentinos Juniors to beat Boca Juniors in the Clásico Maradoniana. Um which isn't a classical River versus All Boys to finish All Square um, and finally Veles versus Rafaela Veles another one of the sides in, in uh, midweek action of course Lanus and uh, River are the others um, but Veles have got four days to, to recover because that match isn't until Monday night so I think that Veles are going to be able to beat Rafaela in Liniers anything you particularly agree or disagree with there Don before you shoot no I'm, I'm glad to see you Betting against Racing because I think that's the best chance we've got. <laughs> and yeah, no, I think it's a brave bet going for Estudiantes over Gimnasia. Indeed, it but is. Maybe going, you know, if, keeping uh, faith in the home in the home victory isn't too bad. Yeah. Of the last shot, of the last ten La Plata Clásicos, do you know how the uh, what the split is? It's got to be like nine to to Estudiantes, one to Gimnasia, something like that. Almost eight to Estudiantes and one to Gimnasia with one draw. And the first of those of those ten was, of course, that legendary 7-0 uh, back in October 2006. Pretty um, conclusive. We apologise for the slightly rushed nature of this week's Hand of Pod. Um, we'll be back to normal service next week. But, but on, the same, on the same token, you're welcome for the short succinct. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All your train journey plus more. Precisely, and uh, more importantly, it won't take all day for me to, to edit whenever I get around to editing it which might well be in the next few hours uh, English Dan thank you very much for joining me thank you very much Sam it's been a pleasure and it's been most con- congenial as well doing this in the afternoon yeah. with, with something non-alcoholic very pleasant I do feel a bit strange but, um, but there we go um, and I will will see you listeners next week um, enjoy the weekend's football as ever and goodbye for now mm-hmm.